So a Jewish carpenter died on a hill 2,000 years ago, crucified by the Romans. So what? What difference does that actually make to your life? Welcome to the telling of a timeless and epic tale of sacrifice and love and a cosmic battle between good and evil. Welcome to the Faith in a Busy World podcast with me, Steve Griffiths. As Christians, we often say phrases like, Jesus died so your sins could be forgiven. But what does that actually mean? How does the death of Jesus create the forgiveness for our sins? How are they linked? Today we are exploring three ideas which help us to get to the bottom of that. And this is technically known as theories of the atonement. And it's an important topic for us to think about as Christians because our faith hinges on the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, this isn't a competition. You don't need to choose between the three theories and decide which one is true and which one you like the best. They're all true. And each one of them looks at the death of Jesus from a different angle. So put them all together and we get a pretty good idea of what was going on when Jesus died on the cross. So let's jump straight in and think about the first theory, an epic tale of sacrifice. Now for this theory, which is sometimes known as the objective theory of the atonement, we need to go right back to the very beginning because it's all to do with the problem of sin. When God created the world, it was perfect and sin didn't exist. But then something happened and sin entered the world. You might believe in a literal Adam and Eve, or you might view Genesis chapters 1 to 3 as a story. It really doesn't matter. Whether you believe it to be literal or not, the spiritual reality is the same. At some point and in some way, sin entered the world and human beings became alienated from God. Now here's the thing. Sin has to be punished. You might say, why? Can't God just turn a blind eye to it and forgive us anyway? Well, no, he can't. And here's the reason why. Because at the heart of God is the fact that he is a God of justice. And if he didn't act justly, then, well, he wouldn't be God. Now, we know that wrongdoing in life has consequences. If someone offends against a person or against your society, it requires justice to make amends. And it's no different with God. So sin has to be punished. It has to be dealt with. And when sin is dealt with, we can be forgiven and return to a right relationship with God. Now, in the Old Testament, the sins of the people were atoned for by the sacrificing of animals. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, the writer sums it up really well. He says, The law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So far, so good. Make a sacrifice to God and all will be well. But here's the problem. Those sacrifices didn't deal with the problem once and for all. They were a bit like putting a band-aid sticking plaster onto a fatal wound. Every year the sacrifices had to be made again because the problem of sin had never really gone away. Human beings owed it to God to put themselves right with him. But there was no sacrifice big enough to do that. And we are so lost in sin that none of us have the potential to do it anyway. Anyway, it's impossible, no matter how hard we try. Paul sums it up really well in Romans chapter 7 when he writes this, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. Sin dwells within me. And that is such the human experience, isn't it? We know what we should do 
and we want to do it. But sin is such a powerful force within us that no matter how hard we try, we just can't get it right with God. No one who has ever lived has been perfect enough or spiritually powerful enough to make a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. In fact, the only person who could do it is God, right? He's perfect. He's spiritually powerful enough. He could make a sacrifice that would deal with our sins. But it's humans. It's us who owes the debt to God. So it needs to be a human who makes the sacrifice. If only there could be a human being who was also God. He'd sort it out, right? Oh, hang on. Wait a minute. That's what happened, isn't it? God took on human form as Jesus of Nazareth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus lived a perfect life. He didn't sin. He didn't owe God any debt from his own life. So when he died on the cross, he was not only the all-powerful God sorting out the problem of sin, he was also the perfect representative of all humanity, representing you and me before God the Father, taking the punishment for all our sins. Isaiah 53 verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. What an incredible act of love from our all-powerful God towards us who are so undeserving. Okay, you might ask, why did Jesus have to die to do that? Couldn't there have been another way? Well, no. Sin is not the main problem. The main problem is death, through which we become eternally separated from God. But when Jesus died and was then raised from the dead, even the power of death was defeated, so every barrier between us and God was destroyed. The wonderful 17th century theologian John Owen wrote a book about that with the greatest title ever, The Death of Death in the Death of Christ. That perfectly sums up the glorious good news upon which we, as followers, followers of Jesus find hope for our future here on earth and into all eternity. And that's why we need to be united with Christ through faith so that we can receive all the benefits that he has won for us on the cross. Again, Paul explains this really well in Romans chapter 6 verses 5 to 8. He says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. If we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. I think it's it's a bit like having that first parachute jump. The first time, you are strapped to the instructor, and when he jumps out the plane, you leave the plane. As he falls, you fall. When he pulls the parachute open, you both slow down together. His landing is your landing. Being attached to your instructor keeps you safe. And that's a good picture of what happens with our union with Christ. As we are in union with Christ through faith, so his death becomes ours and his resurrection becomes ours. As we read in 1 Peter chapter 2, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So this is the first reason Jesus had to die on the cross, to be a sacrifice for sin so that God's justice could prevail and we could be restored in our relationship with him. And it's called the objective theory of the atonement because Jesus objectively achieves something for us all. Our status before God has been objectively changed as a result of his death. It was St Anselm who wrote a brilliant book on this called Cur Deus Homo in Latin, which means why God became a man. And he was the Archbishop of Canterbury and died in 1109 AD, one of the finest theologians who's ever lived. A great man 
and a great theory of atonement. Well, if the first reason for Jesus dying on the cross is known as the objective theory, it's not surprising that the second reason is often known as the subjective theory. Because rather than focusing in on what Jesus objectively achieved for us, it focuses on more subjective relational aspects of Jesus' death. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, basically, that Jesus' death on the cross is the greatest example of love and self-sacrifice. And through his death, Jesus has left us all an example to follow in our own lives. As Paul wrote in Romans 5 verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The death of Jesus was a demonstration of God's love, leaving us an example to follow. Jesus' decision to die on the cross was motivated purely by love for humanity. He was willing to endure the most extreme physical and emotional suffering so that we could be reconciled with God. Jesus was being totally obedient to God the Father and gave himself up without question. Such love, such self-sacrifice, such obedience. And as we read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, Christ himself suffered for you and left you an example for you to follow in his steps. Here is the ultimate example of selflessness. What does it mean for you to follow in his steps? What love, what sacrifice, what obedience does God want from you as you seek to model Christ in your own life? In John 15 verse 13, Jesus says that greater love has no man than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. There is no greater example of love than Jesus' death on the cross for us. As we sit silently before the cross of Christ, watching the Son of God endure so much on our behalf, how can our hearts not be melted? How can our souls not be drawn towards him? How can we not offer him our lives in thanksgiving for all that Jesus has done for us? So this subjective theory, this idea that we should be spiritually and emotionally moved by Christ's sacrifice and then follow his example by living love ourselves, was taught by a theologian called Peter Abelard, who died in 1142 AD. And Abelard had the most incredible life. He was a French philosopher, theologian and musician, and he was one of the leading intellectuals of his time, as well as developing a new style of music called chanson, which became popular right across Europe. But he's also remembered as being a partner in one of the greatest romantic stories ever told. As a philosopher, Abelard had a student called Eloise, and as soon as they met, they began a passionate love affair, but their relationship was highly controversial. Abelard was a respected scholar, and Eloise was the niece of a priest at Notre Dame Cathedral, and they were soon forced to flee Paris together. And they got married secretly, but when Eloise's uncle found out, he was raging, and he had Abelard attacked and castrated. Abelard then became a monk and Eloise became a nun. But they continued to correspond by letter and some of these are still in existence and they are such beautiful and powerful love letters. So given Abelard's personal experience of the sacrificial nature of love, it's not surprising that he should have developed a theory about Jesus' death on the cross that focused on that aspect, is it? His theory may not be the whole story, but it is a deep and profound theory that demands from us a personal response that can transform how we live our lives. 
And the third reason why Jesus died on the cross is that his death marked the defeat of evil and the forces of darkness. As Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 2 verses 13 to 15, God forgave us all our sins. He had it taken away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In this theory of the atonement, there is a duality between good and evil, the forces of darkness and the forces of light. And the forces of light have prevailed in this cosmic battle on the cross. The cross of Christ was a battleground between God and the forces of evil. We cannot underestimate the intensity of that battle. In our day and age, we tend to sit lightly to sin as if it doesn't really matter, as if there are no consequences. But the cross tells us differently. The cross cross tells us that there was a battle raging between God and Satan, and Satan has been defeated. We celebrate God's victory, but we remember that it came at enormous cost. Jesus Christ suffered terribly and died in agony to defeat those powers of darkness. So let us never sit lightly to our sin that put him through that experience. Praise God for his extraordinary grace and love. And this theory of what Jesus achieved on the cross has got something quite amazing at the heart of it, which is this. As he died on the cross, Jesus used the very things he was defeating to defeat them. Crucifying Jesus was a sinful act, but Jesus used that sinful act to defeat sin. Satan attacked Jesus on the cross, but Jesus used Satan's attack to defeat Satan. Death was a terrifying power that separated humanity from God, but Jesus used death to defeat the power of death. Jesus turned the table on sin and evil and Satan and death and defeated them in such a way that their own powers imploded as they tried to attack Jesus on the cross. As we read in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 to 15, by his death Jesus broke the power of him who holds the power of death that is, the devil, and freed those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Incredible. Our famous proponent of this view of the atonement was Gustav Aulen, who died in 1977. And Aulen was a Swedish Lutheran theologian who wrote a book in 1930 called Christus Victor, in which he put forward this view of the atonement. Now, he was developing his ideas, of course, in the 1920s and 1930s, as Nazism and fascism were on the rise across Europe. So it's probably not surprising that he understood the death of Jesus to be an existential battle between good and evil. So there we have three different theories of the atonement, three different ideas of what Jesus achieved by dying on the cross and how we are impacted by that death today. Now, it's not like just one of those theories is right. They're all right. And together they give us a good picture of what the cross was all about. The importance of what Jesus achieved cannot be underestimated. As St. Rose of Lima said, apart from the cross, there is no other ladder by which we may get to heaven. As we look to the cross of Jesus, we give thanks to God for his amazing sacrifice, as Anselm encouraged us to. We thank God that the powers of darkness have been vanquished, as Aulan encourages us to. And we are moved by Jesus' love to live lives of love ourselves, as Abelard encourages us to. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the cross. And thank you for being with me today. I hope you found this podcast useful and I look forward to being with you again very soon. Bye bye. <music>